0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time with a Teacher. I am so proud to announce that this episode will be guest hosted by our very own Andrea Pedraza. You may know Andrea from an episode she was on earlier on this year, and I'm so happy to be able to give her this platform to share not only her story, but the stories of her classmates from Yes Prep 5th Board. In this episode, she gives her unique perspective by speaking with her former classmates, Carla and Fernanda, about what it means to be a Latina woman and a first-generation student in college. It's going to be part one of a part two series because their stories, their experiences, their perspective is so insightful, I couldn't fit it into one. And thank you, Andrea. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with a Teacher. Today, I will be your guest host, Andrea, and I have the honor of introducing Miss Fernanda Cifuentes, who is a second year biomedical engineering student at Texas A&M University. Um, and I also have Carla Garcia, who is a second year criminal justice major minoring in sociology and social and economic justice at Lycoming College. Hi, ladies. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm doing Great. good as
2: well. A little bit stressed, but hanging in there.
1: Thank you for joining me today. Um, and I, for our audience, um, I'm really excited to have these ladies here. I know them from high school and they're rock stars. Um, So today to have them in this episode is truly, truly a pleasure. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, I invited you all because not only do I know you all as incredible students, but also as incredible Latinas. And today, really, our episode is going to focus on navigating the world of academia as a Latina and what that experience has been for you all, both in high school and in college. I want to start off with your high school experience, specifically your college application process. Okay, first of all, I want to say
3: thank you for taking us into consideration for this. Like for high school, my experience in high school, I went to just prep, fifth Ward, And to me, now looking back to it, I feel like it was a learning experience, mainly because people there, like everyone knew each other. We were, Mm -hmm. you can consider us a small Uh, place where everybody knew each other and we kind of like grew up together people consider each other family in some way and Mm -hmm. everyone was kind of similar you know like everyone we were all minorities some of them could be considered low income we kind of like experiences we share them in a way so Mm -hmm. we kind of reflected and we kind of share those experiences I wasn't really thinking about college freshman year for for high school It wasn't Mm too further down the line where like, oh, I started to realize like, but the thing is that like, since the beginning, I knew that for college, I needed to get good grades in high school because I knew my parents would not be able to afford for me to go to college. So regardless if I was going to go to college or not, well, not going was not even an option. Like I knew I was going to go, but Mm -hmm. I, I had to like step up my grades. Like, okay, my GPA has to go. up, My grades have to go up because that's all I'm relying on financial aid. I started looking for colleges far away from home which is hard to believe, but I just didn't want to be home. Then I started to look into uh, colleges in state, but they were my last option. I just they didn't want to be close to home, in a mm-hmm. sense. It didn't hit me how far these colleges were until my acceptance came. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm really about to leave. It was a weird feeling because I never. I started to feel alone before even leaving to college, which was mm-hmm. something that I hadn't felt before. And I was like, how can I be missing home while well, I'm still at home? A moment of realization, like, oh, okay, like, I'm really doing this. Like, I'm really about to leave. My mom didn't want me to leave. She was like, you could find, you have many colleges here in Texas, and yet you choose to go as far as you yeah. could. So, like, <laughs> yes, I know. She wanted me to go to University of Houston or somewhere in the city. It just it didn't stay right with me.
0: <laughs> but
3: my dad, he didn't really mind or he's not vocal about his feelings, which is kind of expected in a way. Now going into my college, they're kind of similar in a way. Like coming in college and Yes Prep, I kind of compare them because they're both kind of small. And obviously the only difference is is predominantly white. Thank you for
2: sharing that, Fernanda. <laughs> so similar to Carla, I also went to Yes Prep 5th Ward, class of 2019. Um, high school for me, um, I felt like it was a breeze really, Like I was on top of the world. It was a small school. We had a graduating class of like 105 people. Everyone knew each other. Everyone knew me. I excelled well. So I I excelled. So all the teachers liked me. And I was able to be captain of several different things, become an ambassador. I was just really involved. I felt confident because everyone knew me. Going from college, well, going to college with like 70,000 people versus a class of 100 people it was really a cultural shock and i was not prepared for that mm-hmm. i will tell you it's like college is d- different like it's crazy different and you just can't fathom that you can't fathom something you haven't been through junior years when i started taking it more seriously like my college applications and such that's when i started digging deeper of where i wanted to be and same as carla i wanted to leave far away i wanted to mm-hmm. build myself like with my own reputation i just wanted to find myself away from my family
1: Mm
2: hmm. Um, in-state was also my last option, but here we are. <laughs> um, I'll get a little bit into that later of how why that happened. Um, and then senior year, I was also like learning to accept like, this is like my pathway, like I have to take this seriously, like you have to decide where you go really matters. Like I can't just go to California because I like beaches, you know, like I have to take it seriously. I want to be in a certain major and i'm going because of that um to my parents they were both adamant about me leaving even Mm -hmm. really um they tried to bribe me and make me feel guilty but you know i'm a first gen nobody in my family has ever left to go to Mm -hmm. college so it wasn't something they could like they couldn't imagine me living by myself you know they were nervous and scared for me like it was it was with a pure intent. Like They were nervous for me. They didn't know what to expect. I'm their baby. Um, it was cheaper to stay at home. My siblings stayed at home. So it was hard for them to like imagine, picture me leaving far away. Um, when I went to visit one of my colleges that, that I thought I was going to, I had actually booked the flight to visit the school behind their back because I was just <laughs> so nervous to even confront them. Like <laughs> That's how like serious I felt it was.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. Um, and I think m- me as a first generation college student who also happens to be Latina, um, I can totally relate to, to your experiences. I, I remember having similar conversations with my parents about me possibly leaving. And although that didn't happen, and I stayed in, um, in Texas for college, um, I remember some of those similar conversations where my mom was like, are you sure that you want to leave like segura que te quieres ir and and those conversations i think now looking back on them um, not only did they reflect like my parents concern and worry for me as their daughter um, but also like they were worried about how i was going to you know make my life in a different city um, and so carla i know you touched on well, you both touched on being first gen, um, but I know Carla, backstory on Carla, Carla has two younger brothers. And so, <laughs> Carla, if you want to share a little bit about maybe, do, do you feel like you felt any pressure as the oldest, um, but not only that, as the oldest daughter? Um, did you feel any pressure academically from not only like your parents and your peers and teachers, but also like from your siblings. Like I know me all the time. I think like I have to set a really great example for them, even though they don't tell me that they're looking up to me. I know that they are.
3: Yeah. And I think that has happened all throughout my life since I was little. It used to be just me and my brother. My He's two years younger than me. His name is Victor. And it was always me trying to look after him, you know, like, oh, I'm the second mom, you know, like I'm taking on this role of my of my another like a second mom for him so since then it was like I have to be someone I have to do better I have to be better because they're they're looking at me and not just that but my little brother is I want to be someone in life because so yeah there's a lot of pressure for both my two of my younger brothers I just know that I have to be someone in life in order to help out my brother my little brother I wa- I don't want him to go through the same stuff that me And my even my other brother, Victor, went through in sense Mm -hmm. of like economic situations. I know that if I become someone and I help my family out, I know that my brother, Ian, like the youngest one, he's like seven. He's not going to go through the same stuff that I had to go through. He's not going to have to like go through the application of college and wonder, how do I do this? How do I apply? Where do I apply? He's going to understand that because he's going to have someone to help him out. And that is something that I think about so much because. If it wasn't for just breath, like teachers that were there to help me and guide me to the process, I feel like I wouldn't have known how to do that. And I know for sure my little brother, he's not going to go through that struggle because he has me and he has my other brother. And it is not my parents fault. Like if anything, like it's not their fault that they, they don't speak the language or they're not fluent in the language. Like it's not their fault. If anything, I thank them because if it wasn't for them, I would not be where I am right now there is a pressure you know even for my parents they they see me as a daughter of Latina daughter they expect so much out of you and it's not even like they don't express it but you know that culturally you have to behave a certain way you have to act a certain way and it's just expectations that you have to in a way um act on
1: Fernanda do you want to share anything um in regards to that as well
3: uh, yes.
2: Um, I am the baby. I'm the youngest. So I don't feel the same pressures as Carla. Um, but all my siblings, uh, they're DACA recipients. So their process, their struggles were much more harder than me. And they were also first gen. And they went through a harder, harder like process than me to get into college. So they went to college and they were successful. So it's kind of like they had all these barriers, you have less barriers, like how are you not going to do at least minimal like them or even better? So I do feel the pressure that I have to do as well, or at least mm-hmm. higher than them. Like, I wouldn't say it's a negative pressure, more like, a, it's kind of like a driving force for me really. Cause I know I have a support system at home and I know they have expectations for me. So it's kind of like a
1: motivator, motivator almost getting into that sort of family values and things that are important. And especially in Latino households, I think we all know that family and this idea of familismo, which is are kind of all taught to stay within our, our family and stay near our family is often not talked about, but we all feel it, right? Carla mentioned, like, she felt those expectations from her parents, even though sometimes they weren't like verbally voiced. were there and they're they're still there now that we're in college and so I want to now touch on a little bit about what were your parents' reactions when you decided like okay I've made the choice of where I'm going to school and it's not in Houston. How were those conversations like with your parents? Did you sit them down at the dinner table and explain or were they more like hey this is what I'm doing and that's kind of it. Uh even sitting them down
2: to talk to them about me applying nobody really teaches you how to navigate that you know Uh, how can you tell someone like a student this is how you're going to talk to your parents and this is how you're going to prepare them for it and these kind of conversations didn't ring into my mind until like late senior year I just kept avoiding it and you know our teachers our counselors they don't have the same experience as us so they can't really guide us the way we needed to so -hmm. it was like a learning experience and you kind of felt like an inner battle, like I want to persuade them, but then I feel guilty. It was just a struggle even having those initial conversations. And so for me, I really, really struggled and I kept like beating around the bush when I, kept, when I wanted to tell them where I was deciding to go, um, which initially was um, to New York, but um, I visited the school because they were the only uh, school in the US that had engineering optics and my experience was extremely horrible. I felt so left out. Like, it was a really bad experience. And that opened my eyes. It was a 3% population of Hispanics. And so I knew that all the schools I had applied to at a state were going to have this general feeling. Um, and so I decided to stay home well, in Texas. And they were still happy about me staying in Texas. but They weren't so happy that I had left the city. So it wasn't too hard of a conversation at the end. Um, but it was a bumpy ride. I'm not going to lie because I thought I was going to New York.
3: I honestly don't know how the conversation even started for with my parents. I think it was more of a I knew I was gonna leave. I just knew it, and I kept telling them, like preparing them in a way. you can say, I will, every now and then I'll be like, yes, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna go as far as I can. Yes, my mom. Will. But I feel like that didn't really sink then until as Fernanda um, senior year until so I told them okay these are actually my choices and I broke it down to them and to them it kind of seemed like it was a betrayal for my part as if I didn't want to be close to them so I could mm-hmm. sense that they were hurt as if yes, my mom yes. they were in a way like what did what did we do wrong you know like mm-hmm. it is it oh, us they my mom was I could see that she was hurt and she took it really personally we just had to talk, talk it over. And I told like, her, okay, um, these are my two main choices because they were the most financial ones that they were giving me. And both of them were either on Portland or all the way in Pennsylvania. So they were like, no, let's look at other options. And I was like, yes, there are more options, but I just don't want to go there. So it was, it was hard in a way. It was hard. But you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like me wanting to leave, as far as I could it was an act of rebellion against all those years that I feel like oh I'm oppressed like as a daughter in that household (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) so I was just like yes I'm gonna leave and I was so excited and I would tell them and rub it in their face like I'm gonna leave so far from here (laughs) and then they came and
1: oh, okay like
3: it does hurt never mind but I'm still leaving but I'm still leaving, but
1: it hurts, you know. I remember conversations with my mom and she was like, and I, I didn't go that far. I left to Austin, um, which is like three hours away. But she was like, um, well, if you don't call me within two days, I'm going to start to hurry and I might have to go. And um, or you just need to make sure that you're keeping up with everything that's still going on here in Houston. Call us, you know, let us know you're alive at least. Um, so now let's get to college, right? You you get to college your freshman year. Carla, you're at Lycoming. Uh, Fernanda, you're at Texas A&M. What are your first impressions of your school? Culturally, what does it look like? What do the people around you look like? And more so, how does that make you feel, um, especially with you both coming from super tight-knit communities at Yes Preface board, where The student population was predominantly African-American and Hispanic Latino. The
2: first days that I was here, I was like completely in in a trance. Like I thought it was magical. There's all this, (laughs) everyone is so nice and says, howdy. I just felt so welcome the first few days. But it didn't really settle in until like weeks later that I felt, I went through like a cultural shock really. I fell into a depression from how extreme it was. I looked different from everybody, I guess as a Latina, I'm short, and it was extremely, extremely painfully obvious at this PWI, and I just felt different everywhere I went, and I had had never felt different, you know, I always fit in, and I was, I knew everybody, and here, nobody knew me, I had to make a name for myself, I had to restart from the ground up, everyone here they earned their way here. So, you know, I didn't have a name. I wasn't known as like a stellar student like I was back in high school. The new taste of freedom at the beginning, Mm -hmm. that's what like (laughs) made it feel so magical at the beginning really, but it's it's more than that. It's not just leaving and having friends and having fun. You have to find yourself, uh, once again, really it's a whole experience of learning who you really are. This is the first time I had to carry my identity somewhere. I had never had to do that before in my life, you know.
3: I always That's fit in everywhere I went.
2: It was not what I expected. Well, similar yeah, to of- Fernando,
3: you know, the first week for all the partner students. So basically, anyone who is from Jess prep or out of territories, they will come here for the first week. So all of those partner students, which is basically jazz prep and um, what's the other Kip? All of the all of us were basically minorities. So all of us is just minorities that you can say right here in college is all of us so it feels like a home you know because similar faces you kind of relate to each other and like oh, okay this is cool but once that one week for it to settling passed all these people came and it was as Fernanda said the first time that like I started to notice how I stand out how my skin color stands out something that hadn't happened to me before And I remember there was this one moment specific where we were doing an activity for freshmen and we were all gathered and I looked around me and all I could see was white faces. Like everyone was just, it was just so many white people, something that I had never seen before. I felt so out of place. It literally took me a moment. Like I had to stand there and just look around me and I questioned like, do I even belong here? Do I even like, what am I doing here? I'm not going to fit in here. They're, like, so different for me, and yeah, it was just a moment where, like, I realized how, I just realized about, like, Fernanda, saying my identity and how I do stand out, something that I hadn't before because of the place that I was in.
1: Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I can totally relate to that, and in the other episode I did with Mr. Makani, I talked about how um, I experienced what's called imposter syndrome, right? This, yes, yes, yes. Right, yes. yeah, that, this feeling that you don't belong, right? That, you know, I worked really hard to get here, but mm-hmm. within the space and within the people here, I don't feel like I, I have a place here or I haven't necessarily found my meaning yet. And I think mm-hmm. it's true for a lot of other minority students, including Latina women um, who are in academia, And so, um, so touching on that, I think, uh, Fernanda, you're a STEM major. Can you share a little bit about like, you know, you mentioned PWI. And so what is it like being a woman of of color, a Latina in a STEM major at a PWI, right? Like that's a lot of layers there, like Mm -hmm. Latina, STEM, PWI. Um, Can you share your experience about that? I want to say it's pretty intense.
2: A lot of times I find myself I want want to say, like, alone, unrepresented, and, like, not empowered in the way I used to feel. Um, So I've been here for, what, two years, and I've taken over, I take, like, six courses, I guess, a semester, and not once have I had, like, a a female, um, a Latina teacher for any of my engineering classes, you know. It sucks, because I feel like I have not a strong support system within my school because of that. Even though mm-hmm. I do have I have had uh, female teachers, but it's not for my engineering courses. And it's been, I've had classes where I have been the only Latina in that room. And sometimes it is heartbreaking, um, but it's just, I have to ground myself and remember, like, just because I'm different doesn't mean I'm going to perform any different. I have to use it to my advantage, really. And there have been times where Maybe there's like five girls in my engineering classes, in my coding classes. And I want to say guys in STEM are different. They're a different breed. They like <laughs> the a lot. And I do feel unwelcome by many of my peers most of the time. My first experience where it really hit me that, you know, engineering, it's a hostile place for women. Um, it was my first time at the engineering career fair. And I was super excited and super nervous. And I had done my research on which tables I was going to and which companies, and I knew what they did. And I was scouting the place around at the career fair. And I finally got the courage and the guts to go up to the table I wanted to go to. And I had seen them interact with other people. Of course, these were men. So when it was my turn and I went, um, the representatives sat were sitting in the table instead of like sitting uh, standing up and shaking my hand and they just continued eating their lunch and like barely batting an eye to me so i felt like so defeated in that moment because i knew it was it was with an intention you know i knew it wasn't just because they were busy i had obviously seen their interactions i was mad i was fueled so i got this adrenaline and i just like i went off i knew about the company and i knew my stuff and you know i showed them and i you know, I showed them who I was and what I wanted to do in my, my like, I guess, my power, I want to say. And Then they were like, whoa, mm-hmm. and then they stood up and they were like, sorry, I didn't get your name. And they, they reintroduced themselves and it, they like completely changed the atmosphere. Yes, I was able to do that, but um, am I going to have to do that every single time? Will I always feel this way in every setting? When I get into jobs, am I going to suffer through this? So there's already competition to get into the work field. Am I going to have this similar atmosphere within the job itself? Uh, so it felt really menacing. And I just remember going back home after the career for, in tears. Like, I had never felt that way before in my life. And I was questioning. I literally pulled out the sheet to ch- transfer majors. And I called my sister. And I was like, this isn't for me. I don't know if I can do this in the future. Like, I feel so crappy right now, and I'm not even in the field, you know. I'm just in the academia, you know. My sister was like, you've worked so hard, and I know you want this. You know, I know you want it for yourself. I know you want it for everybody. Keep yourself grounded. Like, you got this. You have all our support. But there's there are really intense moments that just hit me like a train. I really, I feel like I don't belong a lot of times. So it takes, like, a strong heart, I want to say.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that very personal and vulnerable experience. And Carla, I know you're a, um, a criminal justice major minoring in sociology, which, because that's my major, um, and social and economic justice. So um, for you personally, do you feel like your um, identity as a Latina has influenced the view that you have taken on um, about criminal justice and sociology? I know I don't want to out Carla, but I... I have her on some social media, and I always um, see her voicing her her opinion about you know equality and um, being inclusive of women. How your identity as a Latina has influenced your view on you know criminal justice and sociology and et cetera. Yeah,
3: yeah um, so I've taken some courses on sociology, and one of my favorites was um, race and ethnicity. It was pretty wide open, like eye opening for me. My view for the criminal justice system, it has. Yes, it has influenced a lot. I, all this information that I learned, it just doesn't make sense sense to me how people don't see all the disparities that there is in the system. You know, like, to me, it's like, how can you not see it? How can you not see these things happening? Because I have, I've had people come to me and tell me, oh, like, why do you think like women are not paid the same? Or like, things that don't make sense. They tell me like, yeah, I have, I've had people come to me and have a conversation of an argument. How do you think or why do you think women are not equal? In what ways are they not equal? And to me, that's frustrating because the evidence is just right there. And it feels like I have to give them a whole lecture on women's history and things that, and concepts they're not going to understand. So it's really frustrating, right? And sometimes even in the class, whenever we're talking about um, sentencing and... disparity that there is i feel like my opinion it's kind of like disregarded or dismissed just because i'm a i'm a minority and i'm a woman okay of course she feels that way of course she's gonna think that way because she's a minority and she's a woman like my opinion is expected yeah so i feel like every time that i talk and i give my opinion and what i think about the system i feel like people use judge and say of course of course you think this way
0: And that's it for part one. Make sure to tune in next week for part two. I really hope some of those stories that they shared stuck with you really made an impact on me as I was listening to it. Thank you, Andrea. I really look forward to sharing with you guys part two and see you next week.